Hello and welcome. Connie Reagan Green here from ConnieReaganGreen.com with another call in the podcast series. So today I want to talk about concepts to embrace around doing what it takes to be successful in life and business. This is from a brand new book that I'm writing. It will be out during the summer of 2016, and the book is titled Doing What It Takes. So I've had people come to me over the years. I've been doing this for 10 years now, an online entrepreneur, helping other people around the world to get their businesses going. And people have been coming to me for many years and saying that it's too hard to do something. And I always have a conversation with them if we're on the phone or in person and I talk about, no, what really is too hard? Setting up a WordPress site? No, that's not that hard. Uh, deciding which niche to be in? Not that hard. There are so many challenges in life. I've gone through quite a few of them, as all of us have. Those things are hard and difficult and challenging. So rather than going into a conversation about that, about what's difficult and challenging and what isn't, I want to talk about some concepts to embrace so that you can change your thinking about this. So the first one is taking full responsibility for everything that happens in your life. So this was a big one for me. I was coming from the victim mentality for so many years. When I was teaching, when I was in real estate, things happened to me rather than around me. So to finally embrace the belief that I had been and continue to be responsible for everything in my life it rattled my core values and beliefs in a life-altering way, and I was never the same again. So this included me taking responsibility for having cancer multiple times, losing everything in Hurricane Andrew back in the 1990s, being in the earthquake in Northridge during the 90s, just a year and a half after the hurricane, actually. And I even took responsibility for events that we're so far out of my realm of activities that there's no way anyone in the world would even accept me, expect me to assume responsibility. So once you think about this and you realize that everything in your life is something that you brought about in one way or another, then you see things very, very differently and you won't ever feel like a victim. Nothing will ever happen to you. Things will happen around you and you will definitely have the deciding vote as to whether you want to continue those things or not. So all of the years that I was teaching, and I felt that they were unkind to me and the system wasn't fair, and all of these things happening to me in each, in each sentence, every time I described something, it was something that was done to me. Instead, once I began to take responsibility, I thought, I'm in a situation for my work that no longer serves me. This isn't something that I want to continue experiencing. I want to do something different, and it's up to me to find a way to make that happen. And I set a plan in place. It took me two years from the day that I really decided that I wanted to leave the classroom, I wanted to resign from the school district, until I actually did that. That was two years, and I did that for financial reasons and because I had to decide what I was going to try to do. But I took responsibility, and I made it happen, and now I'm around people on a daily basis who make things happen in their lives much more quickly than that. So however long it takes you, that's how long it takes you. But just know that you can make things happen and have change in your life in a big way simply by taking responsibility for the situation you're currently in. The next one is feel the fear and do it anyway. 
Now, this is the title of an excellent book. It was first published in 1987. The author is Susan Jeffers, J-E-F-F-E-R-S. And this concept of no matter if you're afraid, you do it anyway, it was expanded upon in a book by Shad Helmstetter. And this book is called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. And it came out in the early 1990s, I believe. And for years, I believed that if you were honestly afraid of something, that you had two choices. One was to get as far away from it as possible. And the other was to grit your teeth, kind of squint your eyes a little bit, and try to get it over with as quickly as possible. But it turns out that facing the fear really knocks it down. So if fear is this huge wall in front of you, you must walk toward that wall. And as you get closer, start to jog in place. And then run straight at it. And I promise you that fear will dissipate. It, it really will. And it goes for anything that happens. Think of, think of things that you're, that you're afraid of. So these, these days I choose to face the fear. I verbalize what I'm feeling internally. I move towards and through the experience and I observe the shift that occurs in me as I get closer to it becoming part of who I am. So I've done this with public speaking and with working with small groups of people in a corporate setting and at the retreats that I host in Santa Barbara several times each year. In each of these cases, feeling the fear as an introvert and getting to the point where I actually look forward to participating in these activities on a regular basis has been a huge shift in my thinking and taking action. When it came to public speaking, I could speak in front of my classroom of students, even if it was high school age kids, any age. I could even speak to several hundred of them in the auditorium. I did that on several occasions for, for different uh, jobs I, I was assigned to during my teaching career. But when it came to speaking to teachers at a staff meeting or to people in my real estate groups, I was scared to death. I was so, so afraid. And it became a physical pain. And I would lead up to it, and I would say, you know, I don't really have to do this. And in the beginning, I used to escape. I didn't do it. But once I decided to feel the fear and do it anyway, I made myself go through with it. I forced myself to do it. And finally, and it usually was only a few minutes into what I was doing, speaking in front of a group, I usually relaxed and everything was fine. And sometimes it went better than other times, but I knew that each time I would face that fear again and that I had to run at that wall and slam into it and that fear just would disappear. And I can remember I was speaking at Armin Morin's event in Minneapolis, Minnesota in June of 2010. And I was so excited to have been asked to speak there at a big marketing conference. There were over a thousand people there. It was, it was really wonderful. And I was, I was so afraid. And I saw Armand a few minutes before I was going to go on. And he said, you know, are you scared this time? And I said, well, now I, I'm afraid because I'm not afraid. I'm coming right up on going up on the stage. You're about to introduce me. And now I'm not as afraid as I used to be. And he kind of laughed because, you know, it's like I, you couldn't please me. I was, I was afraid before and then I was afraid because I wasn't afraid. And I got up there and again I was very nervous and I was afraid for that first minute. And then it disappeared and something magical happened. There reached a point just a couple of minutes in where I said something and the audience laughed. And I try to be a little bit funny when I'm on stage and you have to be careful with that. But they laughed 
and I said something else, and I was kind of playing with them, and I started to have so much fun. I enjoyed it so much, and right at that moment, I internalized that feeling. I can go right back there right this second, and I told myself to remember this. I said, this is why you wanted to speak in front of people. You wanted to have that comfort and ease and be able to play back and forth with the audience and get your message out to them and be an effective speaker and have them purchase what, you, what you're selling at the end of your presentation. So by pushing through that fear, I got to that point, and just a, a couple of years earlier, I was scared to death to even try that. So I want you to think about facing the fear and doing it anyway. All right, the next one, be willing to die for the truth. Now, I know this sounds very dramatic. It comes from an inspirational talk by actor and producer Will Smith. It's where he discusses how no one could ever surpass him in a treadmill competition because he would be willing to drop dead of a heart attack rather than to jump off while the other person is still on the machine. So the point's a valid one here, and I can just picture Will doing this, telling somebody that he, he will challenge them to who can stay on the treadmill for the longest period of time. It wouldn't be about the speed of the treadmill. It would be about the endurance and the other person finally would, would just give up. They'd say, fine, it's been forever, I'm jumping off. It's not going to be him. So during my final year of teaching, my fifth grade class read a book. It's called Esperanza Rising. The author is Pam Munoz Ryan. It's set in California during the 1930s. The title character starts out as a 12-year-old girl from a very wealthy family in California. And she goes through a series of situations, very transformational for her. And these situations challenge her and the people around her. So during one difficult period, I won't go into the details of the story, but I, I would encourage you to read that, that book and, and share it with young people that you know. So during one difficult period, my class had a discussion about this. The topic is standing up for yourself and being willing to do what it takes when you have so much to lose, because that was the story with this girl. She had so much to lose by the change in her circumstances. They went from being so wealthy to being poverty-stricken and becoming migrant workers in Central California. Wonderful story. And this was before I became an entrepreneur and began to experience the serious mind shift that would occur. Yet I still found myself on that day in front of the class saying that I would be willing to stand up to someone in need, even if I would be risking my own safety, well-being, and future. So perhaps the seed of what I'm sharing with you here had already been planted. But whatever the case, it was impactful to my group of students. And I think about Will Smith on the treadmill. I think about what I've done as an entrepreneur. I'm willing to stand up for what I believe in. I'm willing to never give up and to take on any challenge. And I want you to think about that as something that you'll do. And uh, I love how Will Smith puts it, be willing to die for the truth. So important because if we are not willing to do whatever it takes to achieve our goals, to help other people, to lead the life that we're here on earth to, to lead, then perhaps there's no reason to be here. And I don't want to believe that. I believe that we all can do whatever it takes to achieve our goals. All right, get ready to do the work and make things happen. 
So 2006, I had just come online. I had resigned from teaching. I had given away my real estate clients, and the film The Secret was released. So I was at the very, very beginning of my journey as an online entrepreneur. I absolutely adored the idea of being able to think about what I wanted in my life and to know it was on on its way to my doorstep. But then the reality set in. I had to actually take action. And I love that concept even more. So the law of attraction pretty much was you attracting the people and the things into your life that you wanted. But I discovered it was really about taking action. Why did I love that concept even more? Because I knew that few people would be willing to do the work it would take for them to achieve even the smallest of their goals. So I see that on a regular basis. I see people that I say blogging is important. You have to blog a couple of times a week, at least for the first year, and then you slow it down to once a week or three times a month, but you have to do it. How many of of the people wanting to be online entrepreneurs do this? How many of my own students even do it? At this point, I'm at about 20%, and that's a very, very small number. What's happening to the other people with all of this? They're fixing to get ready, as they would say in the South. So I continue to tell my students that there's very little true competition for you on the Internet or anywhere for that matter. Do the work. Stay focused and productive, and you'll be far ahead of almost everyone else. All right. We must abandon the notion of needing to know all of the steps and pieces up front before you can surge ahead. You only need to know the relevant and tangible pieces of any project at the very beginning, and this applies to most things in life. So I am going to be setting out on a 6,000-mile road trip from Southern California all the way across the United States and back again. I'm leaving in just a few weeks for this. Now, when I'm starting right now, yes, of course I have a map of the United States. Of course I went to AAA and I had them plan a route for me. I said, I want to stop in this city and this city and this city. You know, what will be the fastest way to go? For me, I like roads that uh, curvy is okay. Straight is better, of course, but curvy is okay. I don't like to be at high altitudes. That makes me more uncomfortable when I'm driving. I like things to be more level. So I'm choosing not to go through the Rocky Mountains, for example, not to go through certain areas where that driving is treacherous a little bit in my mind. Not that I don't want to face the fear and push through and do it anyway, but I want this to be a comfortable, relaxing trip where I can really love and enjoy the driving part of it all that time by myself out in the middle of nowhere for much of it and getting to these different locations, these destinations, to see the people that I want to see. So right now, do I know exactly what that will be like? Can I picture what it will be like driving from Los Angeles to, let's just say, Chicago, Illinois? No, I've driven cross-country, but it's been more than 20 years since I've done that. So I can imagine it, and that's enough. I have the map. I'll be able to stop. I have GPS in the car and on my smartphone. So I'll find my way, but I don't need to know every step of the way. Plus, I have some people that I might be able to stop and see, and uh, and some of those people may not be available. They won't know until I get closer to their city, and I'm able to tell them and see if we can fit that in. That's okay. So knowing what it is that I want to do is enough. 
and having just kind of a guideline. The car is in good shape. I'll be stopping and getting gasoline, checking the air in the tires. That's okay. I don't need to know every detail of the trip. So, so important. And I'm a planner. I like to plan, but I wasn't willing to not do this trip because I didn't know every detail in advance. So this can be a deterrent to success many times because so many things are subject to change between the time you initially decide to do something and when it actually occurs. This happens with books you write, products you create, training courses that you put together, live events that you host. Live events are notorious for changing on the spot. Something happens, something wasn't available, someone came that you weren't expecting and you want to fit them into the schedule. Someone couldn't come because the weather was back, back east was bad or something. They couldn't get their flight. So be willing to, to move forward even if you don't know all the details and see the power in that of having that flexibility. Know that the resistance is coming. Accept and embrace this as a part of the process of changing your life and becoming a successful entrepreneur. This feeling is more like likely going to be a physical one. That resistance is physical. So you'll have to experience the discomfort a few times before recognizing it for what it is. For me, it's a deep feeling in the pit of my stomach. In the beginning, I thought I was either hungry or had a stomach ache from something I had eaten. Once I identified it as resistance to change or action related to my business, I simply acknowledged it and moved on. So that resistance can be really a good guideline for you to get to know yourself in a different way. When I knew that mentally and physically I could see what was happening in my life and in my business, it gave me an intuition that I hadn't recognized before. It was there before, but I hadn't recognized that. And when I see that in people now, I always point it out to them. If they're feeling a little resistance, they, they know that something is going to change and they're thinking about it and just to accept and embrace it. It's, it's this process of change that we're all going through. The next one is not feeling like it. That will never be a reason not to accomplish even the smallest task or goal. When I first heard people saying that they didn't do what they had intended to do or what was expected of them because they just didn't feel like doing it, I was dumbstruck. If you find yourself feeling this way, simply give it a moment and do it anyway. So an example I'll share with you is that when I need to write a new sales letter for a product or a training course or a live event, anything that I'm doing online, I have to have a sales letter for it. I usually don't feel like doing it. But yet that has never stopped me. Ten years now, and not feeling like writing a sales letter has never stopped me from completing the task at hand and getting on with it. So over time, I've learned a lot about the sales letters. Sometimes I'll use a piece of a previous sales letter in a new one, like a paragraph or two about myself. Usually that hasn't changed. If I mention a, my last book, that may have changed because I'm writing books every single year. But other than that, I can use that, that piece from before. But as far as what I'm going to teach, what I'm going to cover, who will be at the event, that's different, and it must be done. So if you say, eh, I really don't feel like it, be careful with that. Take a look at what you're saying that you don't feel like doing and see if you need to do it anyway.
All right, the final point that I want to bring up with all of this is about blueprints. People regularly want a step-by-step. Know that there probably isn't a blueprint for exactly what you wish to achieve as an entrepreneur. Accept and embrace this as a challenge to develop your own blueprint over time as you learn more, implement what you're learning, and experience various levels of success. If there were a step-by-step blueprint, that would have nothing to do with being an online entrepreneur and owning your business and your lifestyle. That would be what you would receive at a job. So resist that. That's a good resistance. Resist a step-by-step because you could get that from your boss, from your supervisor, from the owner of the company when you're an employee. They have operations manuals. They have all kinds of things in place that say what you do first and second and third and the time frame. And then when somebody says, you know, and if I do these things you're telling me, you know, what will the results be? I've been asked that about blogging, about creating information products, writing books. You know, if they do that, what's the promise? What's the guarantee? That's at a job. You know, when I was teaching all those years, 20 years I was teaching, I knew exactly what to do every day because I was told what to do every day. I had to do lesson plans on Friday for the following week. I couldn't leave school on Friday until those lesson plans were turned in for the following Monday through Friday. And our days were broken down into 15-minute increments. And we were told what to do. So in language arts, you might present the spelling words during 15-minute period. The next 15-minute period might be you giving an example of using each one in a sentence. The next 15 minutes might be students uh, doing their own sentences. And the final 15 minutes might be writing a story using 10 of the 20 spelling words. We were told every step of the way. What was the promise? The promise was that about 80% of the children would know how to spell and the meaning of all of those words on a Friday. If you did this starting on Monday, by Friday, about 80% of the kids would really have it down at least on that day. It doesn't mean they would remember it the following week or even the following day, but that was the promise. That was the guarantee. And now I'm so far away from that in my thinking that it's not even funny. I can't imagine somebody promising me that if I blog twice a week for six months that something will happen, that I'll have a certain amount of income or something. I, I'm not even sure what, what kind of promise we want besides besides an income promise. That if I create a new product every month, I'm creating a new product every month during 2016, is there a promise? Is there a guarantee? Well, there's an implied promise and guarantee that I would earn more income and that people would know more about me, they would be learning from me, there would be more credibility and visibility. But it's all abstract as an entrepreneur, and that's the way that you want it to be. You can create anything that you want to create based on moving forward day by day and not having a step-by-step blueprint. Think of a guarantee or a promise based on a blueprint as a limiting factor. We don't want to limit anything that we do. All right, I hope that you have enjoyed this, and I would love to hear your comments about it. So please connect with me. Again, this is Connie Reagan Green, and go over to my site, ConnieReaganGreen.com. You can subscribe to all of the calls in the podcast series.